Coming up on today's show, we talk to Lebetard show producer and huge Browns fan Mike Ryan about the Browns' recent success and their big game against the Broncos coming up on Saturday, plus who Mike Ryan wants as the next head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Plus, John Filippo is out in Minnesota. The Joe Flacco era looks like it's come to an end in Baltimore, and we play another very, very exciting edition of Ask Nat. All that and more on another edition of the Tomahawk Show. Hi, this is the smarter, better-looking, prettier, and more knowledgeable Zerm brother uh, calling to defend the best sandwich shop in Cleveland, Ohio. It is not, in fact, Grum. It is Dave's Cosmic Subs. And it happens to be on the same exact street as Grum's. Thank you. That is all. Goodbye. Joe, i got to be honest with you. I was in middle school, and me and my friend went to downtown Cleveland at, I forget the restaurant, but Alex Mack was there, and you were there, and I decided to go see Alex Mack. I just wanted to apologize for that. Hawkins, if I had the opportunity to meet you, and you know I would. But the person I want to meet the most is definitely Zerm. Let's meet up sometime, y'all. Take care. Joe and Hawk, Mike from Phoenix. My friend and I flew 2,000 miles from Phoenix to Cleveland to watch the Browns win on Sunday. We sat in the dog pound. It was the greatest thing ever. Just got to say, go... Oh, damn it. Joe Hawk yourself. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the best podcast in all of audio history, The Tomahawk Show, presented by the good folks over at Uninterrupted. Make sure you're following us on social at Tomahawk Show. You're interacting with our hashtag, hashtag Tomahawk. Before I introduce our co-hosts, which are Joe Thomas, the best producer in all the land, Zerm, and of course, Miss Fatty Natty Ice, I want you to take a second. I want you to open your Apple Podcast app or wherever you're listening to this incredible podcast from. I need you to rate this podcast five stars. Not because we need our ego stroked. Not because we care about the accolades. But mostly because we need our ego stroked. And we care about the accolades. So I need you to rate this five stars. If you're not subscribed... I'm not going to berate you. I'm just going to tell you, subscribe. Stop wasting your time doing things that don't matter. Like not listening to the Tomahawk show. So we're going to give you a second. We're going to, we're going to pause for a second to give you time to go rate this podcast five stars. Because the more five-star ratings we have, the more likelihood your team, whatever team you root for, is going to win the Super Bowl. And we can, and we can guarantee that. Because Joe Thomas is the godfather of guarantees. So we're going to give you one second here before we continue with the show. Go ahead. We're still waiting. Do you think that our listeners are savvy enough to be able to put this show into the background while continuing to play it and go rate the show five stars? Because I certainly would not be able to do that very difficult task. Exactly. And it's two things at once are, are very difficult to do. So I don't want them to miss any of the hot takes that we're oh. dishing out here let's let's dish so you got you got five more seconds before we actually just jump right into it four seconds three seconds two seconds welcome to the tomahawk show joe thomas how you doing today man man i tell you what this may be the most busy but greatest week of my life Last wow. week, I got an opportunity to go out and do the pregame and the postgame show for Thursday Night Football. Got to watch history being made with a Derrick Henry 99-yard run for a touchdown against the hapless Jacksonville Jaguars. Those Jaguars players looked like they were looking for open grass to go and dive and lay down <laughs> and take a nap because those guys slept walked through that entire game. And you know what? Coming up tonight, I've got a very exciting task of being the pregame and postgame guy again on Thursday Night Football for wow. the biggest matchup of the NFL season so far. The L.A. Chargers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be a high-flying affair. I am absolutely jazzed. And on top of that, I got to mm. audition for my first original. Wow. Wow. Tell me about it. Let me tell Come you on. about that's, it. I know you're let's start there. jazzed because I was jazzed. First of all, I don't know how they got my name. Second of all, I'm clearly not qualified, but I'm still <laughs> going to take the audition. And if they're stupid enough to hire me, I'm going to knock it out of the park and make this the greatest thing that TV has ever played. I tell you what, it's called. 
It's all about and I can't wait. I think as a host, I would oh, be wow. just perfect. I think I did pretty good. They asked me to read a few lines. They asked me for a couple stories. Of course, I threw out my Tomahawk show relationship, how we have hundreds of thousands of listeners that are very loyal. And if they hire me as the, you can be sure that they will get at least a million views every week because those Tomahawk, yeah. the Tomaflock is loyal. I'm glad that you are venturing out into the entertainment world and you are finally getting your just due. Do you think you'll get the job right now? What are your chances? Give yourself percentage so, right now. The last I heard, I was in the top three, which it kind of reminds me of that. The girl that you asked to prom and she says, I don't know, maybe I think you're probably in my top three. She's trying yeah. to lay you down a little bit easy because she's already decided that you didn't win. Yeah, somebody else is definitely going to get this gig. But I'm glad, man. I, I tried out for another podcast that it's around Browns um, and their trek back. I didn't get the job. Zerm got it, actually. Oh, that's <laughs> Zerm so announced on Twitter that he is starting his own podcast and I felt like it was the tweet version of a kick to the to the nuts. Unbelievable. Firm, they, explain they yourself. To, they came to me and they said, look, Andrew Who is Hawkins. They? Who is they, Firm? The name almighty them. they. I can't reveal any of my sources or who these people are. But they came to me and they said, look, Hawk really w- wants his own podcast. He's leaving the Tomahawk show. But... Oof. We just don't think this is the right fit for him. Uh, would you like to instead take his place wow. in the Motel Hawk? And I said, look, like I couldn't turn it down. It's a million dollars an episode. And mm. I don't know, you know, I don't know what you want me to say, Hawk. I had to take it. That's chump change compared to what we pay you. Joe, what are your thoughts, <laughs> man? Are you okay with this? So I'm feeling very disrespected because we didn't know anything about it. I tell you what, though, I'm feeling disrespected on one side, but on the other side, I'm feeling very proud. Because although we haven't made any money on the Tomahawk show and we are still continuing to operate in the red, like usual. It's the millions we, and millions of dollars is an escrow, we but continue. are making careers. We are turning average Joes, average Zerms, average Nats <laughs> into superstars, into influencers. I don't know if you guys heard. You should follow Fat Nat if you haven't already because she is Three a great Three T's, right? She is getting sugar daddies to buy her shit already because no, I'm not. she is so good as the producer on the Tomahawk show and as the female voice. She's killing it. She's knocking it out of the park. She's got hundreds of millions of followers. I think she's ahead of Rihanna right now. And yep. she got somebody to buy her a weighted blanket, of which I never heard of until I saw a picture and a video of how excited she was about this weighted blanket. So maybe, Nat, you could fill me and the rest of the Tama flock in a little bit on exactly what is going on. Do you have like a wish list published on your Instagram of all shit you want sugar daddies to buy you or something? Who's who I'm really confused. So I was sitting at my desk at work and our office manager comes up to my desk with this big box and she's like, oh, did you or TD order podcast equipment? I'm like, maybe. Let's, let's see what it is. She's like, this is like... 40 pounds, though. I don't know what this could be. I'm like, okay. And I look at the label and it says Nat, like just Nat, no last name, nothing. It says our address at work and no suite number. So I don't even know how it got to our suite. So I open it and like as we're opening it, the cover of the box is like this girl with like a bare arm sleeping on a blanket. So like as we're opening this box, my office manager and I are like, what is this? Like, the first thing we thought of was something inappropriate. I'm like, what could this possibly be? Wow. So what? we're opening it. What could it be? <laughs> we're opening the box and then I see weighted blanket. I'm like, what the hell? I have never even like thought of a weighted blanket. What is this? This is a mistake. I don't know what this is from, but it's addressed to Nat. So I'm like, I need to contact Amazon and find out where this came from because this is creepy and it says Nat and I don't know what it's for. So I call Amazon and they gave me who it's from, like the account holder from Amazon, and I have no idea who this person is. Listen, whoever sent Nat the weighted blanket, make sure you contact us. We're trying to find out who you are. She's smitten by you. It was an incredible pickup. False. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to take step two. (laughs) Reveal who you are. I just want to know why somebody sent a weighted blanket when I've, like, it's not like I've talked about it on social media or anywhere. Like, I don't know why. Out of all things, you could send me a weighted blanket. 
Maybe they would like to get weighted underneath the blanket together. Stop That's it. all I'm saying. Oh, Obviously, that. there's a that was a leading the human weighted blanket. Unbelievable. So you both get trapped underneath its extraordinary weight. What Literally is it to trapped. ship a weighted oh. blanket? I mean, that just seems outrageous. It's like shipping it's, weights. It was the weirdest thing. I just don't know. I just don't know the reasoning behind it or who it's from. All right. Have you used it yet, Nat? No. So this is the thing. I weighted blankets. I know that they're like people use them if they have anxiety or insomnia and stuff like that. So I figured, you know, I don't need this. I can donate it to somebody who actually needs it. And so that's what I ended up doing because I know there's. I know yeah. there's people that need it out there, and I don't need it. So Nat's more of a uh, a pot user for her anxiety oh and insomnia, so she doesn't need the weighted blanket. But whoever it was, thank you so much. That was such a kind gift. But Nat, if there's a top three gifts that you're looking for from those sugar daddy Tomaflockians, why don't you just throw them out there, just as a suggestion? You know, Christmas time is upon us, and I'm sure there's this beautiful wish list that you've already created. So you can either send me shoes, Nikes. <laughs> Or or beer, or you can just Venmo me. Honestly, that oh, works that too. Works too. <laughs> all right. Well, Venmo me you're while right you're with at the it. Venmo. Too, I, one Venmo tweet, all of us. What? Yeah. One one tweet that I love from Nat this week that was really awesome was, "What was your first pair of basketball shoes?" And mm. that brought back some cool memories. If did you, you look know, at the replies? There was a ton of replies, and I feel like it was in my timeline a ton of different times because people kept interacting with it. Uh, but there were some really interesting ones. What were your first pair of basketball shoes there, Nat? Mine were these old and ones that I remember going to Big Five with my dad and getting them in like seventh grade, which was when I decided to play basketball. And they were definitely like on clearance, super cheap, like mm. really ugly. But yeah, those were my first basketball shoes. I got so many answers in that yeah. um, in that thread. And a lot of them were... It was cool to see because you could see how old people were by what <laughs> shoes that they put as their first basketball shoe. What what made you think of that question? It was a great question, um, but I never even considered it. I had overheard somebody talking mm. about like old Allen Iverson shoes. And I just mm. thought like, oh, you know, everybody has their first pair of shoes that they remember buying, like first pair of basketball shoes. And some of them are like coming back, like, for example, for and one. They're bringing back the and one Thai cheese, which are like an old model of the and ones. So I had seen that on my timeline. I'm like, hmm, this would be like a cool question. I'm sure people would enjoy answering it. So that's what influencers do, man. They come up with creative <laughs> questions. They're always thinking about the show. Hawk, what about you? What was your first pair of basketball shoes? The first pair of basketball shoes I remember getting were the was a pair of like, I think uh, Hirachis. Oh, like a flight Hirachis or something. <laughs> um, that were like name brand before that it was like volt mm. i like we go to walmart because we didn't have much money yeah. but the first like name brand pair of shoes was a pair of like harachis yeah that someone got me and i remember cleaning them with bleach like every day just to make sure <laughs> they so last as long light. as possible zerm how about your basketball shoes so when nike shocks were a big thing mm. i customized my own pair and I made them wine and gold like the calves, and I put my initials on them, and they were maybe the most outlandish shoe to this day that I've ever worn or designed. Like the gold and the wine colors were like didn't really match what the calves colors were. Like it was too red and it was too gold. Um, and I had my initials on the side and like my birthday on the other one. So I it one it's a miracle I didn't get jumped like anywhere. Uh, and two. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really, it probably didn't match up with the rest of my outfit. You know, like I had these shoes on and then I was wearing like jeans that were five sizes too big on me and a sweatshirt that was like a triple XL and I was really out here doing it. But uh, I did you have the cool. Nike shocks. So cool. I so, can't believe that you're so young that your first basketball shoes was Nike shocks. I feel like this came out when I was in college. <laughs> my, my uh, first, they probably did. My first pair of basketball shoes, I'll remember they were knockoff Sean Kemp's. You know those ones that look like Hershey's chocolate? Like, the kamikazes. Took, yeah, the kamikazes. But they were the knockoff version. They were nineteen ninety nine. I'll never forget. I think they were like uh, L.A. Gear or Kohl's or Walmart or somebody like totally knocked them off and I got them for cheaper. But I thought I was so cool until... I showed up and I saw the kid that I was trying to emulate by buying those shoes. And then I realized that mine were the knockoff because I didn't know at the time. My mom just bought the cheapest ones she could find. And then I was like so embarrassed that I had the cheap Walmart version and he had like the yeah. real $80 Sean Kemp ones. Voight. Voight was the Walmart brand. 
<laughs> they were the best. <laughs> they uh, they the actually they there. brought those shoes back those uh, those kamikaze Sean Kemp shoes, uh, Joe, that you were tweeting oh, about. Man. I actually I got, got a pair. Um, from Reebok because they they re-released them. So Joe, we got to really? get you. I would love to see you on the set of Thursday Night Football, mm. rocking a pair I'll do of Sean shoes. Yes. This episode is brought to you by HP Plus. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP Plus. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. It's time for us to get into some football stuff. We'll let Zerm, and this if you're listening, you can go listen to Zerm's podcast. It's When is the debut, Zerm? Episode one is out right now. Um, Episode one is out. Go no, check it yes. out. Check it Rate out. Rate it as low as you possibly can. <laughs> Cheating on us in our own house. I don't, can you believe they, that? Oh they, they're piggybacking off of the stardom that Zerm has gotten as a Tomahawk show producer slash voice. Nat's getting weighted blankets. The only people not getting anything, yeah. money included, are me and Joe. What <laughs> the fuck is going I, on with that, man? That's I don't bullshit. get it, but I, whatever. We'll figure it out at the back end. Make sure you go check out Zerm's podcast called... The rebuild. The rebuild. Yeah, let's 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 jump into our se- our first segment, man. What's going on around the leagues, Arm? Yeah. So, guys, our first topic is something near and dear to both of your hearts that you have a lot of experience with. You both uh, played under him, and uh, sad to say that John DeFilippo has been let go as the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. Uh, not a great offensive showing on Monday Night Football against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Seven points scored by the Vikings. Um, you guys, my question to you guys about this is, do you think the Vikings' offensive struggles this year are mostly Flip's fault, or do you think it's a combination of some things? What was your first reaction when Filippo got let go? My first reaction when I heard this was not surprised at all. You get an $84 million quarterback, one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league, in free agency, coming off of a season when you were, what, 11-5 and five or... 10 and 6, whatever they were last year, they were really good. You basically lose nobody. You have two star receivers, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen. The only weakness on your entire team is basically your offensive line. You got a great running back, and you bring in an offensive coordinator, and you are going to expect him to build off of what happened last year because you have better pieces, you have a better team, you have more experience. You have all these guys that are in the same role for the most part that are just going to be a year better. And when you start out the season, okay, and then you fall the way they have in the last, I don't know, six weeks or so, heads are going to roll, especially considering the circumstances. And so even though Flip was the hottest name in sports at the beginning of the season to be the next head coach at every coaching vacancy, this is a results business, and that's what you hear all the time, right? It's about results. And when you're not scoring points with the offense that they have, you're not being creative with the run game, you're not being creative, and you're not switching up your protections enough to help out an offensive line that is definitely your weakness, and you're not able to score points with the stars that you have at receiver and quarterback, then something needs to change, right? Because if Mike Zimmer didn't make that move, he was probably going to get fired himself because the first thing that gets you fired as a head coach is inaction. And when you have such a struggling offense in spite of all the talent, you need to take action before the season's over to save your own job, which is what Mike Zimmer did. Yeah, I wasn't surprised either. I mean, we play for Flip. Flip's thing is he throws the ball constantly. This is like kind of the new age thing, and it's what makes you a hot name in in sports. It's like, oh, they're Mm -hmm. throwing all over the place. Well, in NFL football, it makes it tougher on the rest of the team because it doesn't sustain drives as, as much. It it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. It doesn't run clock. Um, and so people who are acting like, you know, this is no, this is this is what Flip's play calls are. He we had him in 2015. He passed the ball a lot, probably more than he should have. I was a receiver and the play calling, it wasn't <laughs> as balanced as it was. And we would even talk about that because it would again, it's your quarterback throws for gaudy numbers. Tight ends go for 1,000 yards, receivers go for 1,000 yards, and it puts people on the map, but your running game and your team uh, kind of chemistry suffers as a whole. And, and Zimmer is an old-school coach. He is a guy who wants to run the football. He is a guy who is no-nonsense. If he tells you he wants it to be a certain way, that's the way it is. And honestly, having played for Zimmer, having played for Flip, 
having even played for all the O coordinators that Kirk Cousins has played for and knowing what he liked and didn't like about him, I knew that this was a recipe for disaster from the start. And we kind of talked about that um, just for the, the, the way that the personalities and the philosophies, they just didn't mesh. And I, especially coming into a place where they were a great offense last year and Case Keenum played extremely well in there. And everyone pointed to Case Keenum and said it was the defense and it was the talent he had around him. And whenever someone plays that well, really, the only place to go is down. So this was kind of a bad move for both Kirk and Flip, to be honest, if they wanted to continue the trajectory and, and all the conversation they had within the industry. Yeah, let's be honest. Anytime you have failure on offense the way the Vikings have had, which has led to so many losses, it's a group effort, right? It's never one person. So we're not going to put all the blame on Flip. Kirk Cousins deserves some of the blame, the offensive line, everybody, right? It's a team sport. It's not just one person. But this is some constructive criticism here for Flip. And I know he's a big member of the Tom of Flock, so he's definitely listening. And it might be hard for him here right now. It's tough. But this is going to make him a better coordinator, right? We both have him, have had him in the past in Cleveland. So he's really good with route concepts. If you want somebody who's going to be able to coach up a quarterback, coach up route concepts, creative ways to get your receivers the ball, he's great. And that's what put his name on the map. That's what got some early success there in Minnesota. The problem he has had all along the way, and it seems like he hasn't changed it based on watching the Vikings so far this season, is his protection schemes get stale. Teams figure that out. They get the answers, and then it doesn't change from week to week, so they're able to exploit an offensive line that's already banged up and not a very good unit overall. So then instead of helping your offensive line with different protections, play actions, moving the pocket, doing different things like we saw Kyle Shanahan doing, they sit in the same protection over and over again, and then they get beat up because they don't have the personnel to be able to hold up. If you've got the Cowboys line from a couple years ago, you can just sit back in the same protection all day and nobody's going to touch Dak Prescott. But when you don't have that talent, you got to change what you do on offense. Same thing with the running game. you got to have a creative running game that's changing from week to week because if you have the same formations and you have the same running schemes over and over and over again, defenses are very smart. They're going to come up with a really good game plan. They're going to have your play called out before you snap the football, and they're going to get into the perfect defense by the time you hand the ball off to the running back, and then you're not going to be able to be efficient running the football. And as soon as you can't run the football and you can't protect your quarterback, you know what? That $84 million quarterback that he got back there, he's going to have a hard time throwing when he's getting hit in the mouth all the time. And those two Mm -hmm. stud receivers that they have, they're not going to be getting the ball delivered where they want because their quarterback's going to be pulverized to a tiny little piece of fiber, which is what's happened to the hapless Kirk Cousins. <laughs> He's not really hapless, hapless, but I love saying I love saying you that. love hapless, and I've got um, a lot of hate in my heart for Kirk because I wanted him on the Browns last year, <laughs> yeah. and we want him on the Tomahawk Show, and he turned us both down. So he turned us down for both of those. So now he's dead to us. That's no, why he's really. dead to me. Um, I and to, back to the flip conversation quickly on the on the 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 biggest thing for me was a, a run pass balance. You know, Pro Football Talk had an article about on third and short. You know, it's you're supposed to have a balance there where a defense is caught off guard. You could either run it or you could pass it for third and short situations. And he was heavily weighted towards the pass. Like before last game, it was like three to like 60 or something crazy or to that. But it's so defenses know what's coming because that's what Flip likes to rely on the pass. So, like you said, Flip's biggest concern is that he needs better protection schemes and the run game. He probably is not as well-versed in that. Um, and, he sh- and Not saying he has to be because he has people in place, but to be a, f- a flip apologist really quickly, he's been put in two really, really tough situations as an offensive coordinator that nobody's talking about yet. And this is, honestly, the reason any uh, he's had the problems he's had as an OC, both in Cleveland and in Minnesota, are for the same exact reason. Andy Moeller was the offensive line coach in Cleveland, even may, may have even had the run game coordinator title. He is kind of a guru in the run game, and he was on flip staff. Right before the season starts, Andy Moeller gets arrested for domestic violence. He gets fired by the Browns. We don't have an O-line coach anymore. So all the scheme, all the things that, we, that Flip was looking to rely on in the run game is now gone, right? So now Flip's left picking up the pieces and trying to figure out the right protections, the run games. So our run game that year wasn't very good. Down the stretch, we kind of 
went heavy into the run game, which helped. But through this point in the season in Cleveland that same year, we had the same heavy uh, passing and it was for the same reasons. Now fast forward to this year. Flip comes to Minnesota, um, one of the hottest offenses, super talented. He has one of the best running game offensive line coach in the business in Tony Sperano. What happens right before the season, Joe? Tony Sperano has a heart attack and passes away. Tony Sperano passes away. So now I'm looking at it like, man, Flip might be the most unlucky coordinator ever because he's lost two times the people that he's relying on for protections, for the run games, for those same things we say that he sometimes struggle with, and he's left picking up the pieces himself. I think that's also what happens this year. I still think that... You know, someone probably picks him up in some situations. But whatever it is, again, Flip obviously listens to the show. He listens to probably every single one. The best thing he could do is spend an offseason diving into it. That understanding that lightning struck twice with him, he has to make sure he's in a position the next time to be like, not only we're going to have a sufficient run game, I'm going to bury myself in this to have the best run games the best protection scheme and blow the NFL away with how well my next offense is going to run the football. And then all's well that ends well as it, as it comes to John DeFilippo. I don't know point. why they call him Flip because it's in his last name. It's actually Philippe, but whatever. No, no, those are great points because this is a little peel back the curtain for Tom Flock is a lot of the great offensive coordinators out there. They know the passing game really well. And then they rely on their offensive line coach to come up with all the protections and all the run game. So, for instance, Norv Turner. Everybody knows Norv. He's been an offensive coordinator for like 39 years in the NFL. One of the greats, all-time greats. When he was in Cleveland with me, his offensive line coach was George Warhop. George was in charge of all the protection schemes and all of the run game stuff. So, on Wednesday morning when we were installing all that stuff, George came to the front of the room, and he acted as the offensive coordinator. Now, when Norv was putting together his call sheet, he was just putting the runs that George wanted on there, and they were talking all week about, okay, it's third and three to five. What are the runs you like? Okay, it's third and six to nine. What are the runs you like? All right, it's third and 10 plus. What are the protection schemes you like versus this team? And then on game day, you just sit there and you look at your sheet and you just call them right off the, off the line like that. So from an offensive coordinator standpoint, it's not unique that they don't know the run game inside and out or the protections inside and out because you always have somebody on staff that can help you and – Flip did get screwed on that, having the two unfortunate circumstances happen right before uh, the season started. Two quick comments before we move on. You fall back on what you know in crunch time, and Flip knows passing and throwing the football, and that's why you saw those passing numbers so skewed in the run of the pass towards the pass. Number two, the stud offenses in today's game, everyone wants to talk about the throwing but really, what is setting up these great passing offenses, the Sean McVeighs, the Andy Reeds, is how they run the football, is the RPOs, is the play actions, is some of the outside zone schemes, some of the creative wide receiver sweeps in the run game. Those are the things that horizontally stretch a defense and vertically stretch a defense and create these big holes for the passing game. If you're just dropping back and running 1993 pass protection and pass route concepts, defenses are going to eat you alive because they're too smart and too fast in today's game. You hit it. I mean, no one knows run game more than Joe Thomas. And honestly, I'd hire you as my offensive line coach. Yeah, thanks. So you would never have I to worry accept. about that. I wouldn't accept. All right. Okay. <laughs> Number two. Ravens Number two. name Lamar Jackson, the starter again, despite Joe Flacco being healthy hawk. Is this the right decision? Of course it is. I told you this would happen earlier in the season, Joe. You called me stupid. You called me hapless. And here you are God, I love making word. the announcement that I was a genius all along, per usual here at the Tomahawk <laughs> Show. It's the right one because for whatever reason, the Ravens are playing motivated. Lamar Jackson isn't lighting it up in the past game, but he's running the ball really effective, and the Ravens are winning. They're 3-1 and one in the last four games. Down the stretch, I think they're at a point now that even if they didn't feel like Lamar Jackson is the future, or even if they didn't feel like Lamar Jackson has developed to the point where he should be the starting quarterback, they are ready to cut ties with Joe Flacco going forward. So this is an opportunity to do so, and then they will come to the table later on and decide whether Lamar Jackson is the guy in perpetuity. This is the end of the Joe Flacco era. He was a highly paid quarterback that won a great Super Bowl for him, but then never really lived quite back up to the expectations that the contract bought. 
He's been very average lately. Even the drafting of Lamar Jackson has not improved his play. Now he's been injured, and it's officially the Lamar Jackson era from here until at least a couple more years in Baltimore. I will say a couple good things about Lamar Jackson that's impressed me. He looks a little bit like Patrick Mahomes when he's getting outside the pocket. And even inside the pocket, the way he has those crazy arm angles and the way he's able Mm -hmm. to kind of throw the ball in there like a dart. He's got great arm strength. He doesn't throw it as accurately as Patrick Mahomes, but he has really impressed so far with his decision-making because he hasn't made a lot of those rookie mistakes that you would expect out of a rookie and a guy that really hasn't started that many games. Has he made some rookie mistakes? Yeah, but not as many as you'd expect. And his running ability has obviously really surpassed anything anybody expected. You hope that he's going to be able to stay healthy. He got a little bit dinged the other day on a scramble, not even a running play. But uh, you hope that right now, for the Ravens' sake, He's able to stay healthy the rest of the season because they've gone way too far down the rabbit hole of Lamar Jackson quarterbacking, running the ball 40 times a game to be able to switch it up right now. Yeah, I mean, he's a little gun shy for me. That's that's my only issue with Lamar Jackson. It might be a smart thing. He's taking it slow, but he is a little gun shy. I think he's a better thrower than what he's putting out on the field right now. And sometimes you got to take those chances, man. But I'm not going to argue with him. He's 3-1 and one and he's got Joe Flacco bench, so he must be doing something right. <laughs> So those Joe right. Flacco haters are now Lamar Jackson lovers. Yes, just like that. All right, guys, let's take a quick break to talk about our friends over at Toyota. Toyota isn't just a car company, and the new podcast, Toyota Untold, isn't just about cars. It's about mobility. It's about overcoming challenges like me trying to ease up on the soda, helping people move physically, socially, and emotionally. It's about finding solutions like we can't seem to do for Nat's terrible hot takes. When you think Toyota, you think sustainability. Triumph, facing fears, celebrating life, and rethinking what's possible. In Toyota Untold, you'll hear unique and insightful behind-the-scenes stories, such as how a son's love for his mother led to Toyota's unlikely origin as an automated loom company, why and how a Toyota Tundra was used to tow a space shuttle through the streets of L.A., and how robotics, other advanced technologies, and mobility services are being researched and developed to address challenges for the elderly, disabled, and even Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Discover how Toyota is rethinking mobility in the brand new podcast, Toyota Untold. You can find Toyota Untold right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's get back to the show. All right, listen, Joe and I are former Cleveland Browns, maybe the two best people to ever don a Cleveland Browns uniform. That's what everyone says. Zerm, our producer, is plugged into the Cleveland market like no one else. He's a Benedict Arnold because he started his own podcast, but whatever. Nat is one of the Browns' biggest super fans. Is she a bandwagon fan? Of course she is, but we love her nonetheless. But we wanted to talk to someone who is legitimately the biggest fan in Cleveland Browns history and maybe the most famous fan of all time. We're supposed to have Josh McCown on. He said he had a hair appointment with he and Sam Darnold that they had to get to, so he couldn't join us. So instead, we leveled up and we got the biggest Browns super fan in all of the land, producer of the Lebitard Show, Mike Ryan, Mike, how are you doing today, boss? Oh, I'm doing great. I, I you're talking about me. I thought you were talking about Pumpkinhead or or maybe the guy that dressed up in like the Charlie Fries. Yeah, <laughs> none of those guys even scratch the surface of what you bring to to Browns fandom. I want to start things off really quick, Mike. On the Lebertard show, you were talking about the Tomahawk, and we love it. We appreciate it. You're a loyal member of the Tomahawk and a friend, a family member of the show. And they said you listen to a lot of crap. And we kind of had to sit back a little bit and say, oh, man, do we got a beef brewing up with the Dan Lebertard show? So can you kind of give us context to that? And did you push back and say, watch your mouth when the, when the cameras were off just to make sure they knew where you stood? It was pure ignorance on the host part. They said yeah. I listened to a lot of crap. Yeah, they didn't mind the, the truth bomb that Joe Thomas dropped on uh, the cap situation of the Oakland Raiders, and then we got two segments out of it. So who's crap now? Oh, <laughs> love it. I love it. Yeah. No, love that's how big of a Browns fan I'm a, I am. I'll back Joe over my own family. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, love, that's, I love somebody that's not afraid to shit on his own show to back up the Cleveland Browns and anything associated with them. That's, that's true character. That's true loyalty. Exactly. Zerm, but, take notes. Listen, guys. ESPN could have put anybody in that time slot. We're just lucky they picked us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's humble, humble as well. Not only is he the greatest Browns fan in history, but he's humble about it. So, 
What's it like being in Miami, being a loyal Browns fan, having to deal with so much losing in the last few years, and all of a sudden they get this guy named Baker Mayfield, and things have turned around, and all of a sudden the Browns are pretty exciting. They're kind of the talk of the NFL right now. So you're living in Miami. What is that like, being that loyal Browns fan? Do you get the recognition you deserve? Uh, no, no, there's really no recognition. All I'm really going to get for this is uh, in the next few years, when obviously now that they solve their quarterback problem, uh, history says that they should be going on a little bit of run here of consistently good years. So I'll just be accused of being a bandwagon fan. Nobody really pays attention to the Cleveland Browns uh, in Miami. So well, nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, any of their fans. So uh, I imagine I'll just be called a bandwagon fan when the, when the championships start pouring in, but that's all right. Browns fans are some of the most loyal fans all over the country, and everywhere I go, I see Browns backers bars. Is there a Browns backers bar in Miami that you go to, or is it completely like it doesn't even exist down in Florida? No, it exists in Florida, but more in Central Florida. You got to go a little bit further north. I went to the Tampa game, and uh, I drove up for the the Bucks game. Uh, that was a punch in the stomach, but there was a really strong contingent. Kind of felt like a Browns home game. To be quite honest, but it doesn't. Browns backers don't make it as far down as uh, as Miami. So oftentimes, uh, I'm just uh, the annoying guy that's asked that asked for the Browns game to be turned on in a bar. And considering the years that we've had here recently, uh, you can imagine my popularity. That what? Well, it doesn't matter. It's Miami. There's just too much to do. They don't even have Dolphins backers bars in Miami. Like they don't even <laughs> watch their own team, let alone the Cleveland Browns. Um, that's a fair assessment. <laughs> <laughs> all right tell me this you have the best quarterback of anybody else on the show because dan is a dolphins fan and Stu Gotts is what what's this team the jets well i think dan is just like an aaron Rodgers fan he's jaded to a sports uh, sports guy grizzled veteran um so the dolphins really don't get him uh, that excited, but he does love himself some Aaron Rodgers. That's always going to be his quarterback. Sugats is uh, a Jets fan, so yes, my quarterback situation is much better. Uh, and I rub it in everybody's face. I'm all cocky because the Browns have fixed this problem that has plagued me since the Browns returned. <laughs> and I am, uh, I just uh, keep telling everybody we got one. My response anytime someone brings up, even Sam Van Gundy was trying to shake my beloved Baker Mayfield. We got a good one, dude. He's got the goods. Is it awesome watching, like, meaningful football in Cleveland? Like, for you, I mean, you've been a fan for so long, and like you said, we've solved the quarterback problem. Is it, like, has it, like, given you a resurgence into your fandom? Fuck. I'm, we're in, in the hunt graphic. We're in <laughs> friggin' in the hunt graphic. It's, a, it's an achievement. We're in the mix. We're, we're I, in I, the I, mix. It's, we're, we're in the mix. I haven't felt this way since Brandon Whedon was named the player of the game a Thursday nighter against the Bills, and we were tied for the division lead after Sunday. This is amazing. This is incredible. We've got a primetime game on Saturday, a primetime game where two teams are in the mix. This is all I wanted from this year. Oh, I love it. Yeah, certainly they've exceeded the expectations for this season, I think, for most people, myself included. I didn't think Baker was going to play this year. I was pretty sure that John Dorsey just wanted to put him on the shelf and do the Aaron Rodgers, do the Patrick Mahomes, and then kind of wait for next year. But he's really exceeded everybody's expectations. Now, there's a chance the Browns make this, the playoffs this year. they got to win out, and they got to get a lot of help, but there's a chance. And I think if they get into the playoffs, they could be pretty dangerous. But let's just imagine and close our eyes and fast forward a little bit to the offseason. After the Browns have won the Super Bowl, we're basking in the glory in March. What do you think the Browns should do in free agency and then in the draft? Well, obviously we won the Super Bowl, so Greg Williams is coming back as head coach. You're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna get a new head coach. So I'm assuming uh, Kitchen stays. Although that is a pretty interesting conversation after we sort of fantasy book what you do here in the draft. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people thought we should get Bradley Chubb in the draft. Um, and that actually proved to be the right decision in passing on him and, and going with Denzel Ward. Um, I, I would love to get some more pass rushers. I think our depth is, is, um, is a bit of a question mark. Um, I didn't like seeing NASA go, quite honestly, and uh, his loss, I think, was felt sort of immediately once Ogbo went down early in the season. Um, linebackers, man, everybody's playing well. I'd really like to see this unit continue to grow. Obviously, the offensive line, it has 
for Treader, um, Antonio. Um, it's been pretty solidified. Uh, Harrison, I think, in, um, in, in Jones' absence, um, has really been a delight. Maybe the right side of that offensive line could use improvement. And obviously, now you got the quarterback, you got to get him weapons. And maybe Callaway was thrown into that starting role a little too soon. It would have been great to see what this team could have done with a, a Josh Gordon. Uh, but I think now that you got the quarterback, you got to protect that quarterback and you got to get that quarterback weapon. All right. Let's just somehow assume here that the Browns do not win the Super Bowl. I know this is kind of going out on a limb, but let's assume the Browns don't win the Super Bowl and they just kind of finish the season one and two or two and one. Do you think the Browns should bring back Greg Williams? I I like Greg. Um, I know. <laughs> A lot of people maybe around league circles don't. He rubs people the wrong way. But I think, honestly, Kitchens is somebody that should be prioritized over Greg. Um, if uh, if Baker is comfortable for him, I, I view, and I know there are reports on this, uh, which John Dorsey, Condoleezza Rice rumors notwithstanding, <laughs> that everything should be viewed sort of through the prism of what makes Baker most comfortable. What puts Baker in the best position to succeed? Um, if I imagine keeping kitchens around would, uh, you would probably need to incentivize, uh, that, uh, in order to keep them. Uh, and we've seen this in the past. That's how Dirk Cutter got the job, uh, in Tampa and it blew out Lovey Smith when many people didn't think that he deserved it. If a young quarterback has success with an offensive coordinator, you'd like to tie them together. Um, or maybe perhaps that means Lincoln Riley. But for me, all I want is what's best for Baker because I know that if you have good quarterback in this league, you're going to be good too for a very long time as long as that quarterback's good. Well, there's your question. You're Jimmy Haslam. What's best for Baker? Who should they hire? I think what's best for Baker is, I don't, honestly, Baker can answer that question, but I oh. would assume it's Lincoln we'll Riley. It I, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're really straight from bottom to the middle here in terms of Browns, yeah, considering uh, <laughs> your connections, guys. <laughs> I imagine you can figure that out, but I, I would speculate that it has to be Lincoln Riley. Um, he's certainly the hot coaching candidate um, in his own right, and I, I, I think working with Baker um, would be something he's into. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I think it would make a lot of sense for him. I mean, especially since they have like an upward trajectory. It's not like the old Browns that you're trying to convince someone to come to an 0-16 or a 1-15 team. Like every Everyone is feeling really good about the Browns and what their future looks like, specifically Baker Mayfield, and no one knows him better than his college coach. I'm actually standing on the table for an outside candidate, not Condoleezza, but The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I say we bring him in as the head coach. We keep Greg Williams, the D coordinator, Kitchens as the OC, and I think we make magic, man. We make a movie, a literal movie, while also Uh making the proverbial football movie. That's ah, we bring we bring in the coach of the receivers, Hawk. We have the Rock and Hawk connection. We're ah. we're, we're rockets across the sky at that point, dude. It's next. It's next level. Tell me this: you watch Josh Gordon. You talked about him earlier. You watch him leave, go to New England, have a ton of success. Obviously, playing with one of the best, if not the best, quarterback of all time. Are you, as a Browns fan, are you happy for him? Given that we are in a really good place as an organization, or are you sad? that he is doing that somewhere else? Or are you upset that he looks like he's gotten it together? Are you the ex-boyfriend who watches his girlfriend go get married and live on forever, um, happily ever after? Where, where, are you, where are you with Josh Gordon right now? Um, well, you mentioned the success, and yeah, he's had success, but quite honestly, I thought he'd even have more, if that's even possible, just because the Patriots get a guy that uh, ran out of chances in Cleveland. It's just so Browns for Josh Gordon to become, you know, Randy Moss. And he hasn't quite been that. And listening to this podcast, uh, you kind of shaped my opinion on, on Josh and, and hearing your stories uh, and knowing how Josh approaches um, the work week leading up to a game. I didn't necessarily think that'd be a great fit. Um, it, it's ended up working out um, largely to a very positive degree. For Josh Gordon and, and, and the Patriots, but I'm sort of I'm bummed. It was a waste. I'm not one of these guys that's super upset that he's uh, not on the team. He just you couldn't count on him. You couldn't count on him, and I don't think he was going to be brought back anyways. So they might as well make the clean break now. It's a bummer 
that you see with a quarterback like Tom Brady, and you can just sort of think what what could have been, especially when balls bounce off of Antonio Callaway's hands and into the arms of a of a defender for a pick six. Um, that's quite kind of frustrating uh, because I like Baker to have more weapons on the outside. But uh, yeah, it's just the Josh Gordon thing is just sort of kind of sad and a tale of what could have been. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Something you said made me think. Keeping Hugh may have been the smartest thing that John Dorsey ever did. Because if you think about the coaching situation here, if we would have fired Hugh after last season, coming off of 0-16 and 1-15, we didn't have a quarterback at that time. We had the number one pick, but we didn't have one selected. We hadn't proven yet that the guy we were going to pick, Baker Mayfield, was going to be the franchise quarterback. And maybe this wouldn't have been the most enticing job in the NFL. And we may have gotten the third or fourth candidate, kind of like what has happened a few years ago when we were looking for a head coach. But now look at the situation the Browns are in. They've got a franchise quarterback, franchise pass rusher, franchise cornerback, all young guys. They've got studs at receiver. They've got studs at tight end. They've got talent all over the field. They've got an enormous amount of salary cap space, and they've got a bunch of draft picks still. This is going to be the top opening in the NFL in maybe the last five years. So I think the Browns are easily going to be able to get whatever quarterback they like. So pretty exciting if you're a Browns fan. That's all I got to say. Well, it's an interesting way to look at it, uh, certainly. And uh, it's not every day that a quarterback uh, like Aaron Rodgers needs a head coach too. So I think – uh, even though he's at an advanced age, and that might be a tricky situation. Hell, someone might, a hot pan- candidate like a Josh McDaniels might look at the both situations and say, I don't think I want to, I just came from a situation where there was an older quarterback and he was clashing with the head coach a little bit and it got uglier than it's ever sort of been in New England and maybe Cleveland's more appealing. Um, I'm not sure how much say Jackson had in the matter when it comes to head coach when, when you read up on it. Uh, but maybe things, it's a Gwyneth Paltrow sliding doors sort of analogy maybe things are different i'm happy that we ended up with baker mayfield but i can't follow you all the way down the the logic ladder maybe it was the best thing that we could have done in keeping hugh jackson man we had so many games early in the season that i think we would have won now uh with this uh coaching staff in place and without Hugh, you know more you're the football experts but that's just how i feel well i think when you look at the record the last five games or however long greg williams has been Uh, in charge it's hard to argue because they've done an amazing job they've won three out of the last four and they're really rolling so if you kind of extrapolate that to the beginning of the season you got to think that they were going to win some more of those games mike ryan thank you for being a tomaflock member you are officially the greatest member in the sports media world in recorded history so thanks for being on the tomahawk show thanks for spending a few minutes to talk browns football with us Guys, it's an absolute honor. Like I said, I listen every week. Um, it's a joy to be on with you. Mike, thank you so much. Um, we're kicking Zerm off the show, so if you ever want to come back, we have an open seat with your name on it, buddy. I saw that. There's a competing podcast. What Dude, the hell is going on? Right here. Could you, could you imagine if you told Dan you were starting a podcast to rival his tomorrow? It's live now, and you were pumping it on his show. I can't imagine the betrayal that, that is coursing through your veins right We're, now. You must be so hurt by this. It, the next episode is going to be a therapy session, Mike. So <laughs> more than welcome to join us there as well. Again, thank you for coming on. You're the best, man, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys. That was awesome, man. Mike always has an open seat here on the Tomahawk Show, and specifically Zerm's seat, if we were being very, <laughs> very particular. Um this is definitely my last. This is my last show for oh, sure. Oh man, you're you getting me out of here. Done. You're, your ass is grass <laughs> when it comes to the Tomahawk show. Let's talk about our DraftKings League. Week 14 winner was D Jezenbron. I think it's how you say it. 201 points. They got one. We finished Nat. Nat. I know. With the 53rd place finish, dude. What the hell is going on there? Did somebody do your lineup? No, I did it all by myself. All by myself. <laughs> all by myself. <laughs> I That's a I lie. I was so freaking close. I can't believe it. This just means that next week I'm getting in the top 50 and I'm getting this coffee maker. I'll believe it when I see it. That's all Matt's I'm saying. Some, Matt's, paying, Matt's paying some fantasy expert at ESPN under the table to start setting their lineups. I don't know what's going on. How did Hawk yeah. and Firm do? That's what I want to know. <clears throat> well, 
Well, Firm That's a great did question. zero, and I did zero. Um, Firm said he was in New York and not to Adam. And yeah, don't I, I honestly at twelve fifty seven, I was trying to set my lineup like as fast as I possibly could. Yeah, and yeah, he, yeah, Hawk. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's a one o'clock uh, deadline, and there was, and I'm in a, I'm in a radio studio. So in a radio studio, you could literally see the seconds of like what time it is. I set my lineup, and I'm like, oh, at the last minute, I wanted to change out uh, Eric Ebron for um, <laughs> uh, Zach Ertz, and I clicked the wrong one. I clicked my flex on accident, and it effed everything up. I set it at with 10 seconds passed. They were like, no. So I got a zero. Um, so many excuses. Hawk, don't confuse effort with results. And another thing, <laughs> you know what else works hard? Washing machines. They don't win <laughs> DraftKings leagues either. Firm? He was signing too many autographs, being that yeah. he was a member of the Tama flock, but that's over, so he doesn't have <laughs> to sign any more autographs in New York City with all those fans. That's crazy. He was in New York getting recognized, and this whole time he was up there putting together a <laughs> rival podcast, and it's now just coming to light. Joe, you finished 153rd, which is equally as terrible as mine. That's pretty good. With 115 points. Good Horrible. Horrible. So listen, make sure you're hitting up our DraftKings League, Listener League. Winner gets $73.16 every single week. If you hit the gold standard of 73.16 points, you walk away with $500 cash. No one has does it. Someone came really close. I think I think 1738. Someone had 17.6, and they called it the, the Tama Mayfield number, mm. which was pretty cool. But yeah, so 17.16 gets you the big bucks. Um, let's go into a one ass nat. Do we have time for one ass nat, Joe? Now, I never say my K, by the way. This is pretty easy. How many more games will the Browns win to finish the season? And here's a little tip they have three games left. <laughs> they will win two out of three. Oh, all right. Wow. I think most Nat, Browns fans would be pretty excited to finish the season like that. Nat, can you say who they will? What two games will they win? <laughs> That's a great question, sir. <laughs> great. Well, they <laughs> That's win Saturday my against Denver, right? And then they win the following week against Cincinnati, right, Nat? Right. What's the last one? And then they lose the last one. Who are they playing? <laughs> the Ravens. The Ravens. Oh, She's obviously. a big fan, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously. Yeah. All right, guys. I think that's about what does it for the Tomahawk show today. I think it was uh, probably our best episode ever. So make sure you tell your friends about it. Tweet us using hashtag Tomahawk. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tomahawk show. Subscribe and rate just like Hawk implored you to at the beginning of this show. Make sure you rate it five stars. We'll talk to you next week. And any final thoughts, Mr. Hawkins? Um, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Fair enough. All right. Natty, I take us out. Joe, hawk yourself. <laughs>